Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Intentional Guy. We've been off for about a month. We are coming back, re-energized, ready to go. I'm here today with author Aaron Shelley. And Aaron, it's so great to have you on our show today. You're you're our, our first guest on, on, on this season um, in our life. And I, I've been going over the book a little bit today, and I'm really this is really right on target with some of the things that we're, we are discussing and where our focus has gone on. Um, you know, the name of the podcast is intentional guy. Uh, I, I was kind of living life in a fog, Shelly, uh, Aaron for a while, you know, and it's like, why am I not getting things done? Why am I not? I'm just, you know, well, outside of being a procrastinator, I also, I didn't have a strategy, you know? And so once I had that strategy down, cause I, you know, I did good in the work part cause I had strategies there, but then in the family part, what's going and, and my, my marriage was lacking stuff from me. My children were lacking stuff from me, you know, uh, even in my faith and other things it's I just wasn't being that intentional. So you have written a book and let me make sure I can pull this up. Um, called the family flywheel and Shelly, I, I, I keep calling you Shelly by your last name. I'm, I'm a last name person for some reason, but Aaron, if you wouldn't mind, introduce yourself a little bit to us and, and let's just dive into this book and how this can help us. All right. Thanks a lot, Michael. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So my background, I studied mechanical engineering, um, played a lot of sports when I was young and then I actually got an MBA when I got frustrated with business people not doing the stuff I thought they should have. So then I kind of went, worked for a company um, called Ancestry.com, if you're familiar, do a yeah. lot of genealogy. Um, then I worked for a genealogy startup that didn't work out. And then I kind of had a space where I had this opportunity. My mom said, hey, there's this guy writing a book. Do you want to go do that? And I went and helped him research his book in the course of doing that. We had a lot of great conversations. His was about family and entrepreneurship levels. And so I did a lot of research on family structure. In the course of doing that, I was like, hey, I think this there's a better model that could you know, work for your book. So I kind of put together this model and gave it to him. And he said, well, that's great. That's your book, not mine. So I didn't really start out wanting to write it. Um, and then... I kind of was in that mode where, okay, I have this. And then my mom sent me an article from a friend of mine. It had been about 10 or 15 years out of high school. And I think at the time I had four kids and my mom said, Hey, this is, there's an article, this guy, he is going to life in prison for rape and attempted murder. And I was like, wait, what, who is this? You know, on the one side, before I read who it was, I was like, good, those type of people I don't want in society. And then when I looked at the name, I'm like, this was a guy I went to school with. I was in the mm. church with, I went, you know, I was in scouts with, he was my neighbor. Like what in the world we were so close. And so that kind of even got that engineering mind even going harder. Like what is going on? I have to understand the mechanics of what went wrong so I can protect my own kids from this because right. I don't want that for my kids. And as a father, <laughs> I'm very protective. So I kind of went on that. So I kind of was writing the book with that kind of motivation. The last five years I've actually spent back in the business world. I was helping a company grow from about 20 to 180 or so. We took $50 million in private equity. And then that allowed me to step back. And so now I'm back on this 
what's more important than family and what do I want to spend my time doing? It's helping other people, you know, make better families so that we can have a better society. Mm. Yep. Yep. So you write this book, it's the flam, the family flywheel and it, it die. it, it kind of, what I like about it from what I'm seeing is it doesn't matter what stage of life that you're, that you're in this, this book, it can really kind of help you in that area, which I just ordered mine because I was, I did the audible part of it was listening to, I love audible. Um, but then there's sometimes yep. you, you got to have a book, uh, that you can highlight and go through. And this is one of those books, uh, that you really kind of need that tangible tangibility to it, you know? So kind of break it down to us a little bit. So as, as men listening to us, um, a lot of my, my men, uh, the, that are listening to us, we're, we're striving for tools in our life that will make us better, be a little bit more, uh, so to be intentional and in how we're raising our kids, how we're being a husband mm -hmm. and all this, how does this navigate that? Yeah. So when I, when you say tools, this is kind of, of a perspective. If you've read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that's one of my favorite books by Robert Kiyosaki. It was the first time I understood how money worked, the mm. cyclical nature, right? You, you have income, you have money, then you can buy assets. Those assets will produce income. Then you'll get more money. I love that's kind of this flywheel effect. Also in uh, the book, Good to Great, it talks about this flywheel as well. So you kind of, and compound interest is an example of a flywheel effect where it gets more and more. So I like that idea, but I want to open that up and I'll give some examples about how that looks in the business world, because that's really where I came from. And I, I realized, hey, if I run my family with some of these business principles, which we've all been, most men are trained in business, right? We know business, right. we live it and breathe it. And then we come home and have poor family lives because we don't really understand how to implement. And so if I, if I kind of start from the beginning, if you look at a, a, a company, this is my thought process. I was like a company, it has a strategy. You know, what is it trying to do? It has a structure, which is how is it going to organize the tasks, the roles, um, those type of things. And then it has a culture. And those right. three, three things make up what, what are called what's called the business model. And that is determining that will determine how you use the different resources, financial resources, money, tools, real estate, um, social resources, your individual relationships, your group relationships, especially if you're in a church, that would be considered a group relationship, but a business is part of a foundation often, you know, a tech sector will have relationships and then a brand. And then finally, a business will have human re resources, which are its abilities, the time of all the people in that company and their health. And so the business model takes those resources and uses them to produce something that they hopes will get a gain. This is the circular part, right? So they'll take their money and they'll hire, you know, uh, do some marketing to build the brand. Now they have more social resources. Now they can take that brand like an Apple and they'll be able to market and then people will buy it. They'll be able to produce more financial resources, right? So this is that, that uh, flywheel effect I talk about. And interesting, you know, if you look at Google, they have a very different strategy than Walmart. Google's right. trying to organize the world's data. Walmart's trying to provide affordable goods to families around the world. 
And then if you look at the structures, you know, at, the structure of Walmart is very structured. You need to, they have top-down management. It's organized by stores and distribution centers. Google and, and all their real estate, Google doesn't have that. They organize much more around their products and they have a lot of freedom. And then if you look at the cultures, the culture of Google, you know, they're saying, if you do your best work at 4 a.m., great, do your best work at 4 a.m. We have freedom, responsibility, because we hire really smart people to solve weird problems. But for, for Walmart, they need people in the store doing tasks. Right. They don't have the same, oh, I'm going to show up but when I want to show up. Great, you're fired, right? Yeah. At, at Google, that behavior is okay. At Walmart, that behavior is not okay. So that's kind of as the business's business model works. And it's really guided by that initial strategy, which in the case of a business is what is their purpose? What is their mission? What are they trying to accomplish? So does that make sense on the business level to you? It does. So you're saying as then as it relates to our family, we're really needing to have um, kind of a mission statement or a purpose. What's our, what's our, what is our purpose? What are, what are we? And I imagine that is going to determine at where you're at. Like, you know, like we're about to be empty nesters with a grandbaby. So our priorities and our things are a little different. Um, but when our kids were younger, you know, you, there's a lot of ball games. There's a lot of things going on and you can be overtaken by life. So, uh -huh. so I'm, I'm a mat from what I'm gathering with what you're saying, this helps with you not being overtaken by that. If you have, if you understand your purpose and your season. Yeah, exactly. If you, as a family say, what are we trying to accomplish? I mean, there's always, a, there's an individual, this applies to an individual too. What is your purpose, you know, Michael, on this earth, right? What do you feel like it is? And then you take your wife, what is her purpose? And then you take them together and you say, do we have a co-purpose? Is there a mission that is exciting to both of us and a purpose? And it sounds like at least for the, the phase of your life you were at, it was to raise children, have a family and those type of things. So if you have that strategy, then that's going to help, you know, there's a point where you're like, well, I'd love to spend time with my kids, but I got to work, you know, someone's right. got to make money, someone's got to provide. So who's going to do, that's where the structure stuff comes in. Well, what roles am I going to take? My mm. wife and I, she, she runs an I, we, we started an Irish dance business about 25 years ago now. And she takes all of the dancing work. Like she's the, I've never actually danced Irish ever. But I do all the technical stuff, the website, marketing, the music. Like I take those roles. She takes all the dancing roles. So it's the same in a family. It's like, well, who's going to make the money? Who's going to work, invest their time for money? And I'm and I don't. And then who's going to invest their time in taking care of the children, in their health, in their um, education, in their socialization? And a lot of times these are shared. Like for my wife and I, I did all this stuff in the sciences and engineering and business. If it, if my kids have homework, I do that type of stuff. If they have homework in the humanities, my wife did music, dance, theater, she'll take that. So there's this structures of how you're going to do it. You know, who takes out the trash, who makes the meals, all of those things are kind of the roles. And if you look at those and say, like in a company, we want a marketing person and we want a pro someone who's making the product. We want mm -hmm. complementary skill sets. And we don't complain like, dude, I hate those marketing people. I mean, sometimes in dysfunctional companies, you have it. But if you're in product, you're like, I love that they want to talk to people and do all this marketing stuff because I like to build stuff. 
or vice versa. Then the marketing people are like, I don't know how to code and I don't want to do that. But I love making relationships and trying to help people. And so you look in a company, you want this complementary skill set and you both really appreciate each other because, you know, collectively you're better off. And that's the same with the family. Like, well, what roles and responsibilities are you taking on and is she taking on? And there is no right answer. At some points, I've made the meals, done the shopping, you know, right. changed diapers because she was doing things. At other times, she's done that. You know, I've gone on three-week trips for companies. So you're like, well, in a startup, it's that's why I like the business thing. It's like, that's not my job. Well, who cares? It needs to get done. That's how a, a startup works in a business world. And it's the same way a family needs to work. Like, well, that's not my job. Well, <laughs> we're in this together. <laughs> What's going to happen? Yeah. And I think you, you're right on something because something that I hear from people a lot of times is how they they can get lost with inside the family. And then they're not there's no communication going on and life just kind of takes over, you know, because this is beyond toddlers can take over, you know. Uh, <laughs> yep. And, and, it, and then you think it gets better as you have kids as they get older, that it's going to be better. Right. But then you got ball games, you got uh school. I mean, third grade, they changed the math to this, uh, whatever this new math was. And I, I had to go to the school and relearn math because I'm like, I couldn't do it, you know, but every season we're getting ready to be empty nesters right now. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about, it, but we have a grandbaby and, uh, me and my wife, we're, we're realizing, you know, I don't want, I, I want that connectedness to her. And like you said, businesses are very, as seasons change in businesses, so does how they market. So does how, how they, how they do everything you, and you have to strategize that we, so we're faith-based on, on what we do. Mm -hmm on this show, you know, we're faith-based, but God even lays that out for you. You know, a lot of times, uh, we get, people get in trouble. We give the devil too much credit. Well, the devil, you know, made me do it or whatever, you know, when <laughs> no, you were really a willing participant, but sometimes also one of the things that we do in faith is we're like, give it to God. God will take care of it. When God's like, I've already taken care of it. Cause I got you a roadmap out here. I just need you to use your common sense that I've given you and follow it with it. So uh, I, I kind of liked it. So does it, I, I don't know if this is so structured, you know, some things are, are just really structured. You got to go do it this way, this way, this way. Is this very adaptable um, for a family where, wherever they're at? Yeah. I mean, this, what I tried to do, I mean, I have my own opinions, but I tried to extrapolate out and say, this is not, here's how to live according to Aaron. I'm saying just like in Walmart and Google and Apple, all these companies that are billion dollar companies, they're all successful, Nike, they all have different strategies, which means they all have different cultures and structures. The issue that you're getting into is not what is the right one? It is how do I get them aligned? How do I get my strategy, structure, and culture aligned with each other? Because an aligned, you think about this as, again, this is kind of this engine thing. That's why I like the flywheel metaphor, if you're familiar. It gets going faster and faster. And whenever you have, whenever you're not in alignment, it's adding friction and slowing it down. So what you're trying to do is, how do I get those things aligned? 
and I, I can give you some examples. For instance, like uh, if you're going into, if you want to be a doctor, you need right. to have the, the cultural belief of delayed gratification, right? You need to accept, I'm going to work now for something far distant in the future. Right. And I'm going to spend money now for something far distant in the future. You know, this is a 10 year plus commitment. And if you don't have that uh, belief of delayed gratification, and, and, and to some, you know, in a spiritual sense, you could talk about faith. If you don't have faith that you're going to get there, then don't embark on this journey because you're most likely going to get fall off, you know, three to five years or seven years down the road. And now you're going to have a whole bunch of debt, no degree, and you'll have really big problems that you're trying to dig out of because now you don't have that big paycheck at the end that you were hoping for. Mm. Right. So, so there's some things like if you want to be an entrepreneur, it's very taxing in terms of your 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 family you know it's like well i don't i don't get to go home because i'm the only one and so if there's a problem at the business i have to get taken i have to take care of it or customers will be calling you at random times and you're like this is how we live right so it's it's a lot about what culture do you have and and is that going to be in agreement with the strategy you choose you talked a little bit i think about your son who's going into the military Right. If you're going into the military, you don't need a ton of extra resources because the military says, well, we can take virtually most people and then we can give you a culture. And that's the thing that's so impressive about the military. And you can talk about there's some interesting stuff on anti-poverty and that's how you deal with it. But the military teaches you a very effective culture and beliefs. You think you can't do stuff? It's going to show you you can. <laughs> you think you, you know, you don't believe in teamwork. It's going to show you the value of teamwork yeah. and collaboration. And the vast majority of people that I've seen that come out of the military, there's there's like there, <laughs> there's like levels. I don't know if you're familiar with Jocko. He wrote his book on extreme ownership. And I'm like, dude, this guy's he was a Navy SEAL. You're like, this guy is so scary because he's so disciplined and so powerful. And that's been my experience with most people who come out of the military. You're like, they're so impressive because they have learned those things and they live them. Right. And so that's, there's kind of these examples, whereas if you're going, I don't have delayed gratification. Okay. Don't go be a doctor. Oh, I don't have the finances to be, to be, to get to the doctor. Well, there's some strategies. And I had a friend who he actually used the military. He wanted to become a doctor, he goes into the military. They paid for all of his medical school. He stayed in, I think for four years, all of his debt, he has no debt. And then he left and went into civilian life. Right. So there's all these fun strategies that you can use if you're intentional about it. And that's where, I mean, I, at one point I was actually thinking of naming the book Intentional Families because I'm like, I'm get, I'm trying to give you all the different levers that you can pull and understand how they all work together so that you can actually build it. And this is my engineering side, like a fighter jet, right? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Here's the laws that govern families. It doesn't matter if you want to have a big family and everyone lives together. It doesn't, you know, like it would live with your extended family. It doesn't matter how you want to do it. Here's the pros and cons of each one, weak strengths and weaknesses, similar to how you do in an engineering sense. Like here's a material it's, you know, steel, it's good at this, but it's heavy titaniums, less heavy, but it's more expensive, you know, corrosion. There's all these things. And that's what I try to do in the book is just, here is the general <laughs> practical pieces. Now you can kind of go build your family according to your culture your strategy and your structure. So let me ask you, does this book also deal with the business side of things as well? 
it it doesn't talk i well i mean i if you understand in my opinion if you understand the principles in the book you will be a better business person too because the laws of business and the laws i think we're in a weird spot actually historically if you go back until when most people were farmers 1930s ish i think we had about 30 40% farmers this is how life was my grandfather was a farmer my my grandmother was a farmer's wife right they both right. worked the farm she had to you know like it was a co together business and i think we've kind of just over the last 100 years or so now we're like well now i can go work and do my thing and she can be completely separated as my wife right we don't have to be in business together but i think historically it was actually really natural and so if you get if you get into a place where you know I don't know how, like I say, if you're going to business and you're like, I'm, I'm a salesperson and I make good money and I love my product people because I understand specialization. And then you come home and you're like, Hey, I have my wife and she made a meal for me. You know, thank you so much. I appreciate that because that means I don't have to worry as much about my health. You're taking care of the, the human resources, as we'd call it in the business world side of the family, the health, mm -hmm. the insurance, those logistics. And I get to go do this part. And, and if right. You know, if you appreciate her doing that role, then she's like, you know, thanks so much, Michael, for making the money. I really appreciate you going off and right. dealing with all that crap. So you end up with this very uh, synergistic relationship. And you also end up with a lot of appreciation for each other because I've seen some families where they're like, well, it's going to be a 50 50 relationship. What, what the crap does that even mean? Like you'd never, if I, if I went into your company and said, Hey, I'll give you 50%. I think you'd say, okay, I'm not hiring you. Right. You'd say, I want you to give a hundred percent in your role. And so there's a lot of this, not appreciating the abilities of the other person and not trying to find someone who's complimentary. You're trying to find someone who's going to compete with you. And yeah. I hate to tell you this, but as much as I want, there is one role raising, having children <laughs> that I will never be able to do, you know? So it's like, I appreciate her. She can appreciate me. And so when we wanted a family, I'm like, okay, you're going to make these sacrifices with your body, with your time. And what am I going to do? I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to help you with the other kids, or I'm going to help you at the house. Right. But it was a, a super appreciation because I knew that it was sacrifices for her and she knew it was for me as well. And, and let me be clear on that. So you don't believe that a marriage is 50, 50. <laughs> it's got to be a hundred, a hundred, you know, just uh, yep. like in the business world, you'd say, I'm going to give a hundred percent. And if I'm going to, especially in a small business, I mean, I don't know what, what your business stuff is, but when you're in a small business, it's like, whatever needs to get done, we need to figure out who gets it done. And even though, you know, most people don't like accounting, it's boring. It sucks. <laughs> we have to do it. So no one's like, yes. I, I mean, there's few people who want to do it. They're kind of weird. But in general, it's like, I want to do sales or I want to build this. No one wants to do it, but it has to get done. So you say, well, we either got to outsource it, even on the outsource, I'll go find them. I'll deal with them. I'll interact. So there's always this part of some jobs, just to, every job has crap that's useless or not useless, has to get done, but no one wants to do it. And it's the same way in the family. I don't know anyone who's like, yeah, I'm super excited to go change a diaper. Mm, right. This is the best ever. It's like, it's crappy work, but it needs to get done. It's got to be done. Well, and I, and I like that because like you said, one employee wants someone that's going to come in and give 50%. And I think that's been a bad cliche that people have said over the years that marriage is a 50-50. 
and and well, fifty fifty is only giving half of what you. So you're only halfway into the into it, you know. And and I think that's the problem, though, because then we're not as productive in our families because we are only giving fifty percent or 50, mm-hmm. 50. Whereas when we go to business, we got evaluations coming up and stuff. We want that raise. If we want that better thing, we have to give it a hundred and hundred plus into that. Well, it's the same principle with my family. If I want my family to be productive, to be successful, we got to get rid of that 50, 50 thinking and be oh, completely in. Yeah, I mean, it, legally, it's a 50-50. That's the reality. You know, who right. owns the stock in this family? It's 50-50. That's just the laws. Okay, move on. Now we both want this family to crush it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think with your, um, the interesting thing that I've seen with within a business is you both realize you needed each other. Everyone needs everyone to become this great company. And it's the same in a family. There's actually a lot of research that says married men are, are significantly more productive at work. They make more money that, and I, and you look at that and you're like, yeah, because it's no longer a single dude who's just off on his own. Now you've got a wife and, mm-hmm. and my wife, I don't know. I tend not to take care of my health as well as she does. You know, right. she's like, I want meals that are better. I'm going to spend more time. I'm like, let's throw, let me throw a pizza in, you know? So my wife is actually taking care of a lot of things that I would have to, if I was single. So you actually are more successful as a married man, not because you're just a, you're married. It's actually because it's now two people helping to make make you more productive. Yeah, and and that's where I, I think there's some interesting places of can you appreciate the values of each? I one of the books, mm. and you talked about a little bit how a lot of for us as men. When I was younger, I thought, I'm just trying to keep the money coming into the family. Like, how do I keep this thing? The, the, that was my primary role, right? Provide for the family, protect the family. But what I realized, there's a book called The Boy Crisis, uh, Warren Farrell and John Gray. They talk about, there's like 50 different of <laughs> negative consequences for the children if there's no dad present, whether mm-hmm. that's a single parent or if the dad's just working all the time. And the one that I found most well, there's a couple for, for boys, and I think for girls as well, their IQs are 15 points lower if they don't have a dad present. Wow. Because dads tend to challenge kids. They like to play games, verbal games, little games to push their kids mentally. And you're going, the difference in an IQ of 15 is huge. And it's really just because men are developing. And I never knew that. And I'm like, man, I need to invest that time in my kids. If I invest my time just for this financial return, my kids, which are the reason I'm doing that, are going to suffer because I'm not investing into them. Yeah. So that's and, where I see this. Sorry. And unfortunately, I see I see a lot of people learn that lesson after their kids are grown and too late. You know? And, exactly. And and I think part of the, you know, where intentional guy came from was because I was living in a fog. I mean, I really was not, especially in my home life. You know, in my home life, I was living in a fog. At at my job, I had perfect purpose. Um, I I knew what my place was, but over and and to be honest with you, Aaron, I was I felt inadequate in my role as a husband and a father. Okay, um, but those are things that I sh- I needed to address head on, 
And of course, as age came, me and my wife, we learned a lot of these principles, you know, and, and things. And, and like right now we're going through this, uh, the stage in our life that, uh, is uncharted, you know, uh, what is an empty nest life going to be like? We have a beautiful grandbaby and, um, grandkids, by the way, are so much better than the original. Okay. So, <laughs> I, so I really like that, but I'm like, you know, we got to be careful. I'm she wants a pony. I'll have one in my backyard in, in a minute, but me and my wife, we are at the, the stage exactly where we're right. Some of the things you're talking, we're redeveloping our purpose we have a new season in our life and so we're redeveloping our our culture is changing our everything's changing everything is changing in here you know and we were to the fact that we need to downsize in home you know do we what we've got all these things that we have to to look at one of the things my wife wants to do she wants me and her to um get a side business going on. I'm scared to death to do it. So I've never, I, I'm, you know, uh, but, but uh -huh. we're, we're, we're getting ready to face that. But I also have listened as you were talking, I I've listened to several men, um, through this podcast who have written me phone calls who are lost in their relationship with their wife. And, I, and I'm going to tell you a lot are empty nester guys, uh, guys whose kids are now grown and gone and the wife and them seem disconnected a little bit here. Um, you know, the divorce rate is, is outrageous. And I don't want to see that with anybody. And mm -hmm. I, I like from what I see with your book and, and the reason why I, I, I went ahead and ordered it was because, you know, that's something that can give me and my wife some guidance and direction. You know, the Bible clearly says where there's no vision, the people will perish, you know, and, and I don't want that to happen to me, you know, and to my wife and this, this great stage. And I'm, I'm looking at some of these people and you're at, you're at what, this is your celebration time. Now your kids are gone. This is, this is your celebration, but, but it's what you just said there. They've lost vision or purpose or whatever. If they, how will this affect me and my wife as empty nesters looking at this book and me telling you just what I told you, let me put you on the spot, man. Hey, how, how do you see the benefit for that? Well, the big thing for me, I just, I just did a quarterly planning. I don't know if you've been through businesses, right? You'll do quarterly plannings in your business. I just finished a quarterly planning with my family and I'm including in my both my i have a married daughter as well and then my other kids and so it's like well what are we going towards as a family i love it right i think that's where you're saying it's very foggy when you have no goals and when you don't know when you're going but i can't but i don't know for me personally i love achieving i love learning and achieving those are my big things oh yeah and so when i have a goal and i know how to go for it that's actually when i'm like hey i went and crushed it and that's where i going back to the business metaphor when two people, when the business is working together, then you hit your goals. It's satisfying to both people. So that's where it's like with you and your wife. And I think you need to expand it out. This is one of the problems that I talk about in the chapter called generational wealth or building generational wealth is your job is, well, you're not like, I am done. It's like, 
how can you teach your kids all the lessons you learn instead of having them start from scratch again? You know, like we start from scratch, we learn all this stuff and then we're like, hey, okay, you're married, you're done, whatever. Here, go raise your kids. And it's like, wait, that's a bad thing. You'd never do that in a business world. You know, like, hey, we went through five iterations of sales techniques. Now we have these great sales techniques. We hired a new person. Great, let's not teach him what we learned. Let's have him start from zero. It's ludicrous, but that's what we do in our families all the time. Like, hey, let's just let them figure everything out. Where's the wisdom sharing? Where is the stuff where you're like, what are the key lessons? And how do you look at your business model and say, how do we do that? Because with my wife and myself, my youngest right now is 16. She's got one more year in high school and then she's gone. And I'm like, yeah, but our purpose is now going to expand. How do we keep the kids together? How do we keep them mm. supporting each other? And that is, and how do we pass on the knowledge that we've done or how do we keep learning? I mean, I think, what did I read? I think it was in the upwards of 20, 30 books last quarter, you know, last 33, three months, because I'm like, here's all the stuff I'm learning. We're in this, we're, I mean, you got AI coming. There's so many things. How can I help my family be successful? And if you're just like, well, they're out of the house, I've succeeded. I, I thought that would be great, but I keep worrying about my kids who have left the house, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So it, you don't get a, you don't get the relief from the worry. You just don't get to see them all the time. Right. So I think it's a bit of, for us to expand it out and be like, how do we teach our children the lessons? How do I look? I had some very painful, I call them my three hells of my life where I went through these very difficult. One was a financial situation. I made a poor investment, lost a quarter of a million dollars, and then had oh. a lot of mental stress. I had another one where I was, you know, when I, just started our business and I couldn't find another job. And I was like, where are we going to be in step in financial straits? And then I got audited by the IRS, all, all very pleasurable experiences, but it was the social connections to my, my wife and to my, my dad, in some of the situations, my dad, and my mom came over and they were trying to talk me through it. Just because the kids are out of the house doesn't mean they don't need that emotional support. And if we, if we, if we disconnect them from us, then they're like, well, I'm having trouble at work or I'm having trouble with my marriage. And you're like, yep, I had that same problem. <laughs> we couldn't get on. The, here's how we solved it. And I've seen that over and over. I had a, a good friend of mine. He's like, why didn't my dad tell me how he dealt with my wife and my mom? It, why didn't he tell me the strategy? Cause he ended, he ended up getting divorced multiple times. Mm. And so it's like, I, I think it's important to expand it out. And it's kind of like, you know, you look at it in the biblical sense, you have the patriarchs, right, that right. we revere. That's your role. You're moving not into the, the father. Now you're moving into the patriarch of a larger group, of a larger family. And it's like, how do you help them? And how do you, I don't think God's going to be like, at the end of your life, hey, good job, Michael. You got your kids through 18. You were good. He's going to be like, yeah, but then did you just, you know go into cruise control of life and mm -hmm. allow your kids to get all screwed up your well, grandkids I, I love that too because that that help, that's actually helping me right now because um you know I really haven't thought about that that aspect of it you know and to include them uh is really probably pivotal in this in this cuz we're, we're still in life together we're just in different seasons, parts of it. And we still want to help them grow in their life. And, and we also still want them to be a part of our life. And how does that purpose come together 
you know, yes, some dynamics are going to change with me and my wife um, as far as that, as that goes. But then, you know, we're also all helping to raise our granddaughter together, you know, but I also Mm -hmm. want to see my, my daughter and her husband flourish financially. I want them to not have to go through some of the, the hardships of life we did. And maybe I've never thought about having one of these quarterly meetings with my family and, and, and sitting down and showing purpose and goals to, to reach towards. And man, now you got my, my, my wheels turning really good because I, I'm going to be honest, Aaron, I, part of me, uh, I've been a little bit lost in this stage because, you know, one, you know, when your kid turns 18, first off, you forget how much they know at 18, right? We, we know everything at 18, but yet, but yet he still needs our guidance. He, and we still have to navigate. How do we navigate now an 18 year old, a 19 year old, someone who's going into manhood, who still needs guidance, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and who we, as a corporation of a family or want to see, we want to see him prosper. We want to see him be successful. So I really, I really like, uh, this, the outlook on this, because it goes back to my purpose of being intentional and it doesn't just stop when the kids turned 18 and let's go on. And I think maybe the problem is a lot of people, uh, why that happens at emptiness time is that's what they've done. And they've just kind of, you know, and now, uh, we have to redefine our purpose. We have to, I mean, even Walmart and them after COVID is a perfect thing. All these companies had to rethink how they did business because there was such a drastic change. Well, yeah. And that's, and if you look at it and I don't know the, 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 the level, but if you have kids, you've been successful. That's where you're like, you have a good business. You know, like you've built a McDonald's, let's say, and your kids are kind of franchising McDonald's and you're like, well, am I showing them the operations? Am I showing them? Cause if you just gave someone a McDonald's and there's an example, I talk about this girl, she got given $20 million cause her dad passed away and he had this big insurance policy when she was 18. And now she's on her fourth or fifth marriage. She's destroyed a lot of companies or hurt them because she bought them and then sold them and didn't know what to do with them. That's the thing is we we look at wealth and we think that the wealth is money. We think the wealth is those relationships. We think the wealth is, you know, well, you have good health and you have good skills. But the wealth is really the engine, the decision making process. It's really the strategy, structure and culture and helping figure those out for your kids. That's where I think a lot of kids now, I think there's a lot of people in in different churches who are like, well, religion, you know, like the world is becoming so strong. And I look at it and I say, no, your family's become so weak. You stand Mm. for nothing. Do you have any cultural values? Do you reinforce those values? Is there something, does it mean something to be a son or daughter of Michael Chestnut or does it just, well, I don't know. He's my dad. We, we, we do stuff, you know, we do all the normal stuff. Or is it like, no, here's who we are. We do not do that because this is who we are and this is what we believe. We're moving into this role of now's our time to teach your your son-in-laws, the other men, where did you struggle? How can you get them together? How can you support them? Some of it's financially, some of it's, 
you know, just emotionally. I look at the times when I went through, I actually had some financial support with, with my father-in-law to get into my first house. But after that, I had a lot of financial, what I felt was financial stress, but I didn't actually need money. I just needed the support. And so that to me is where it's, it's being there for other guys. And you know, you could, I know, I remember thinking, what happens if I lose my job? I'm screwed. I want to be like, yeah, if you lose your job, I'm here. I'm a backstop. You know, you also have the church that can be a backstop. We will make sure that there's your family is not screwed over if things go sideways a little bit. So that's yeah. where I think this, the, the new role is being that big boat that can help these kids as they go about creating their families. And I, I, I'm a big believer in what you just said. And um, we're, we're running a little bit out of time here, but I want to ask you this. So as we get our book, so to, to what you're saying to some of us is foreign in, a, in some ways, okay? Because we've not had a family meeting. We've not put one together. Will the book help us in strategizing that and how to, uh, to, to have that, that quarterly meeting with your family, how to kind of set, give you some, a look, some directions in there for someone who's maybe this totally new to them. You just blew their mind away and they're, they're trying to figure this out. Um, I hadn't added the family meeting stuff into it. I've, I have, if you get the book and then if you go to the website, thefamilyflywheel.com, I have a thing called book resources and you can go there and that'll help you if you're, you know, if you're married, I would say there's these forms that I have, you can get those, download them and then fill them out. And if you fill them out alone, you know, you fill one out, your wife fills one out, then you can look and say like, what do I think our culture is? What do you think our culture is? <laughs> then you bring them together. Do we have any conflict here? Or what do we think? What is our strategy? What do you want to do? What are roles? You can go through all those. So it helps you run through your strategy, structure and culture, the business model. And it will also help you look at your resources, your financial, social, and mm. uh, human resources. So it'll help you kind of fill that out. If you'd like, I mean, I'd, I'd be more than happy to share my the structure of stuff that I have for my family meetings for my quarterly. I do an annual meeting where I look back on the whole year because oh, wow. I, I just found, and there's a book I'm reading right now called The Gap and the Gain, where it talks about we need to look back a little bit and see how, how success, how much we've done. Because a lot of times... We just focus on the future and you're like, yeah, but I did so many good things in the past 90 days, the past year, like I'm moving towards my goals. So I think it helps you have the momentum and you're like, I can do some pretty freaking amazing things because look what I've yes. done. Yeah. But if you don't ever well, look I, back, you're like, I have these goals I haven't done yet. Well, and what a lot of people don't realize too, they, they have all these goals in head, but they don't write it down. And I think you have like an 85% better chance of success for having your goals written out, you know, and, and mm -hmm. we don't, uh, we're not taking the time. So taking the time as a family, I love it. Take the time as a family, sit down with these goals, think about them, sit with my wife. Let's talk about our directions, our purpose. You gave me a new avenue to include my daughter who's out of the house and her husband. Um, into it because I want to see them prosper too. I want to know how can we help you? How can we help you grow, you know, as well and see that, that purpose go, uh, even further. So I, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, that that's part of where the, some of the things that I, I do talk about some common come pitfalls 
a lot of people are not recognizing their social resources, right? Like what, mm -hmm. and, and one of the big ones is your church. That's the group you're a part of. Then the individual relationships you're group in, and then you're in those relationships with the community. So a lot of times as we're looking through this, people will be like, I'm going to move because I get a job that pays me 10 or $20,000 more, not recognizing the fact that they're ripping apart all these social connections that may be worth 50 or a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. And that's the thing that I think people need to realize is that those social connections are super valuable. And if you, and if you do break those, like you talked about, you're going to, you may downsize your house, move into a different neighborhood. You're like, okay, now you're not going to, you know, it's going to be harder to be, you know, you know, your neighbors, it's going to, you're going to lose all these connections. Right. Is it worth it? So it's just, and if it, if you do it, then you also need to go, I need to rebuild those connections. I need to find if you left, right. you know, the church organization, you got to go invest more to rebuild those social connections. And it's hard. But if you don't have them, then you end up with a lot of mental health problems. Yeah. So I look and at those, those relationships are, are, I mean, you give a great point because we've spent a lifetime building these relationships that are so important to us. And they're very pivotal in a lot of our decision making and in our who we are and all that, you know? So well, yeah, I, I had two of my jobs got, came from people in the church who I knew and they were like, yep. Hey, I've been talking with you for 10 years. Hey, you can you do this for me? And I'd be like, sure, I'll help you out. And then I help them. And then they're like, Hey, can you want, you want to work with us? Okay. I'll do that. So this is the place where we often don't recognize the value of those social connections, especially as men, you know, women are usually like, I understand I need to be with, you know, have these relationships, but often mm -hmm. men don't recognize it. And then when they're gone, you're like, I feel lonely. Yeah. I feel bored. I feel, uh, you feel well, anxious. Your things, family will. Yeah. One of the things I push with men is we're the sum of the five people we hang out with. And most men can't think of five men that they hang out with, you know, and they don't realize the real, like you said, women do, they realize the importance of that, that relationship. But as men, uh, those having those five healthy men relationships that I have, uh, are what keep me grounded, keeps me accountable, keep help, helps me grow to be a better husband, father, all those things. So, well, Aaron, listen, I appreciate it a lot. I, I've got a lot out of this tonight. I, I'm, I can't wait to get the, the book. Like I said, I've listened to the audible, but, um, I, I'm going to get the, I want the book. I want, I want, I'm going to need, need that for a while. I want to recommend everybody go to the familyflywheel.com. Like you said, there's other resources available for there. Um, and before we close out, you got any last words? I, I would just say if, if there, my whole goal in doing this is to help people, you can email me at Aaron at the familyflywheel.com. If you'd like any resources, you have questions, I'd love to help. That's my whole goal here is I want to make strong pillars of our society. And if I can do that broadly with other people, <laughs> I'm, I'm more than happy to contribute my time there. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you for being on here. Thank you for sharing your book with us. And until next time, I just want to encourage all my uh, listeners, just keep being intentional. We'll talk to you later.